0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this
1: garden grow.
0: A great big good morning to all of our Arizona homeowners. Good morning, y'all. It's Rosie on the House. In this hour, we'll be inviting Mr. John J. Harper, who's here in the studio, to help us answer your question about anything having to do with your yard, garden, lawn, or landscaping. You can reach John and us if you'd like to ask a question at 188-767-4348. I'm here in studio. Got my Darling, wife, sweet Jennifer here in studio, and, of course, Mr. John J. Harper. Rosie on the House, historically over 8,000 hours of broadcasting, over five radio affiliates covering the state of Arizona, 60,000 hourly listeners, and we do it every Saturday for you, the Arizona homeowner. John J., good morning. Thanks for coming in, my friend. Good morning.
1: Yeah, how are you? Happy uh, almost fall.
0: Happy almost fall, baby. Next week. I uh, almost
2: did a dance this morning coming in. Oh, we got in the car. It's only 75 degrees. There's clouds, few raindrops. I don't know where birds. those raindrops
0: came from. There was a cloud about the size of a Volkswagen cloud, right yeah. above our house, and it dropped like eight drops. It's, yeah. It was hilarious. That's um, an
1: eight-inch rain in Arizona, right? That is. drop every eight inches.
2: That's right. That's right. A lot of hope in the air for the fall.
0: It does. There's been a couple mornings where you just step on the back page and say yes,
1: yeah, and <laughs> even the evenings now. Once the sun goes down, it's starting to cool out. We're not at, we're not hundred degrees at ten o'clock. We're in the you know upper eighties, and you know it's it's getting there. It is, it and, is, and it it always does. It's just <laughs> it, it never <laughs> is never quick enough. <laughs> I always <laughs> it,
2: say, don't get excited to Halloween. You know what I mean? It, yeah, hopefully that's what really, you know. Hangs
1: on. Maybe we'll have a we've had a very strong monsoon uh and uh, you know so maybe that bodes for a typical fall where you know by by next week the nights are cooling off the mornings are cooling off that you know and maybe by you know early october we'll actually see some below 100 degree weather wouldn't that be nice Mm -hmm. so it would
0: you know there are always a lot of questions about the garden in my in my non-gardener head in my brown thumb dna um but right now is always confusing to me because I love what the winter garden produces. So I always want to jump the gun. Sure, Talk us through right now, is there any, I got a little okra growing right now. Mm, uh, yeah. I got a cantaloupe that's just begging to die, but I won't let it.
2: A cantaloupe. Did <laughs> <laughs> you catch that? Hey,
0: yeah. um, so I'm, a, I'm pretty fallow right now, mm-hmm. but I've got a beautiful crop of compost. I'm getting ready to turn in to the soil. Give me, talk to me and the rest of the desert floor gardeners. What, what, what are we doing right now? What are we preparing for?
1: Well, we really, we ought to be, if you, if you need the space, we ought to be removing, you know, some, if not all of the warm season stuff, the melons, the okras, the eggplants, the the stuff that's hung on. Now, okra, Loves the heat, and it'll keep producing till it cools off. But, you know, if you need the room, certainly if you don't need the room, at least eliminate the stuff that's not producing or looks bad or, you know, and start preparing the soil. That would be adding more organic material, composts, uh, probably some a little bit of gypsum maybe to kind of, you know, temper the, the, the alkalinity, the salts in the soil and, and get it get it nice and loose and fluffy and, you know, kind of change the color of that soil. Although it be temporary here, we, we, you know, we can never get enough organic material long enough to make dark, rich soil like they have in the Midwest. But that's usually the indication to me is when I've worked compost in, at least initially it's all worked in, it all looks the same. It's nice and dark. I've changed the color of the soil. I can reach in and you know the length of my hand, my fingers. I can by hand dig a hole. I don't need a spade or a trowel to to dig it a hole anymore. <clears throat> that soil's ready to go.
0: That's a great argument for raised planters because my floor level garden has been uh, soil mm-hmm. has been enhanced has been composted, you know, I, I'm on about 20 years now, and I think it's just approaching <laughs> just what, it's, there. what it's supposed yeah. to be. That's a great argument, I think, for raised planters. Uh, just uh, start uh, with this. Yeah,
1: I heard it described one time that it's just like soup. You know, it just keeps getting better all mm, the time. You gosh. keep adding to it. But in the case of raised planters, and I have several of those, what typically happens by the end of the summer is the soil has shrunk, you know, it's, it, so you need to add some potting soil or container garden soil or raised garden mix, depending on whose brand you're, you're buying, to get that level back up because it's, you know, with the heat and the and the composting, that stuff keeps composting, it kind of settles and shrinks, mm. so you need to bring that level up, perhaps, depending on how deep your garden is. You know, the the older we get, the better raised gardening Amen. is too. <laughs> Amen. It's not the getting down; it's the getting back up. That's the problem. Right? <laughs> well, what
2: do you think about some of the newer? Maybe they're not new. They're, I've just noticed them, but like the hay bales that they're doing, like the bales, they just plant right in them.
1: Oh, right in the bale. Yeah, yeah, that's been going on a while, yeah. and and there's that's fine. Um, uh, again, those will kind of continually, steadily decompose over time. And you might have to add to it or add another bale or just, uh, you know, kick that stuff around. Um, the only thing you, you run into with with hay or straw or those is, is perhaps some weeds from the seed that might, <laughs> you know, be in, mm. in that. But, um, you know, that, that works good. I've seen hay bales or straw bales used to actually make the raised garden mm. and put stuff in. They use straw or hay and nut that, that uh, lasagna method where you layer yeah. Yeah. things you know it, it all you can make it all work um you know there's no real magic secret other than attention you have to pay attention to it you know you, there's an old saying without the gardener there's no garden so you know whatever method you use you're going to have to to pay some attention to it some less or more than others and i i think like anything, whether it's fishing or cards or whatever, success breeds more interest. So (laughs) so if you're successful at it, you're probably going to want to keep doing it. Um, So start small. You know, don't go out there and do half your back, tear up half your backyard tomorrow and start to become a vegetable gardener. You know, start with a couple of little raised gardens. Uh, You can buy little kits you can make them yourself. You know, the, the ones I really like, I think they're kind of cool, are the horse troughs, you know, the galvanized okay. steel horse troughs. They're not cheap, but you can buy different shapes and sizes of them.
2: I like the way those look. And what do you do for drainage out the bottom of those? Do you have to drill holes in them?
1: Well, you can drill holes or they, most of them have a drain plug. Oh, okay. Um, that, you know, just make sure you open it up. Put Make sure you put rock or gravel or something mm-hmm. the first few inches. So that that doesn't get plugged up, and you can actually buy them now with no bottoms in them. They're really? they're made just to be planters. Oh, and uh, so or you know that's an alternative as well. Yeah, it's caught on so big that yeah. they're making those horse troughs without bottoms specifically to be a planter.
2: Well, one one method I really like is Mel Bartholomew's um, square foot garden mm-hmm. because you were talking about starting slow, and I like that because it's. You know, it's not, that's not a big space. Yeah, four
1: feet by four feet yeah. or whatever it is. You can put six, so it's got 16 compartments mm-hmm. or squares in it. You can plant 16 different plants, which is, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's that's a lot more for a than couple think, of people. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, so yeah, think think it through. Also, plant what you're going to like to eat because if you are successful, you're probably going to have more than you can use in a lot of cases. So you know, if you don't like okra, <laughs> I raise my hand. Oh no! Uh, I I don't plant okra. That's fine. You know, um, he hasn't had a good shrimp and okra gumbo in a long time. Uh, yeah, man. You know, oh, it, you change your mind quick. Well, okra, <laughs> okra disguised with shrimp flavoring is fine. <laughs> 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 but if. Um,
2: you have to do a lot to. It has to be fried or gumbo to to be really yeah, good. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's fine. Pickled, it's okay. All right, uh, so
2: like
0: we anyway, talked, we've plant, talked about soil prep. Yeah, that's the key. We're we're now in a transition time. So when we come back, I'd like you to just talk us through some of the varieties that we ought to be contemplating, rounding up the seeds for now. I'm guessing we're still a little too early, but that never stopped me before. <laughs> but I but I sometimes I struggle with the success so let's talk about what we should be planning here in the next 30 to 60 days when we can expect to be harvesting it so all of that information about your desert garden here at rosie on the house with our good friend mr john j harper you can join the conversation by dialing one if you too are wondering like i am what to plant next or how to overcome some growing landscaping challenge you have at your house give us a ring we'd love to visit with you help you out (music) out in the backyard sitting down low on a bench putting my hands through the garden soil Appreciating the twenty-plus years it's taken for this garden to get even close to the right kind of soil, and it's barren right now. John Jay, we've got we've got my favorite growing season coming up over the next four or five months. Right, yeah, clue me in, what and when?
1: Well, so the what is uh, you know I, there's an easy way for me to remember what cool season or. Winter vegetables are, and those are the things we eat: the leaf of, the root of, or what I call the mo- a modified stem or flower of. And what I mean by those are going to be broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, those things. Root crops are pretty self-explanatory: carrots, beets, turnips, radishes, and there's some you know things you know oddball things like kohlrabi
0: and parsnips and. You know, all of those. I'm going to try onions again. Onions. But I got to get the right seed. You got to get that.
1: Well, it depends on what kind of onion you want to grow. If you want to grow a green onion, just where you use the green they're easy. tops of. I got That those. you can pretty much grow any way you want. You can buy the yes. sets, which looks like a little mini onion. And those make green onions in a month or six oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. They're Fast. nice. Um, I've if always you want challenged
0: to grow, the big If you want to grow a
1: big onion and you plant really probably from seed and you want to find a short day type onion, usually usually it'll have the, you know, so the one that, the one that comes to mind, I think is Texas Grano 1015. Well, the the 1015 is for October 15th. That's the ideal planting date. (gasps) I love that. that. I I I, wish
0: all seeds had that name. Just give me the date. Yeah. And and I don't
1: remember, I don't know if it's still available, (laughs) but you want to. You know, go to the garden center and ask them what's it, which one of these is a short-day onion and plant those from seed, and you can start doing those. Now, really from you, – you mentioned too early. If you're planting from seed and your soil is ready, you're, you're good to go. I mean, it's – you know, you want to plant seeds when that soil is still warm for them to germinate, and then as they kind of germinate and start coming up, we're getting cooler, the soil is staying warmer, so it makes for a little incubator in that soil, and the and the stress on the leaf of the plant as it comes up is getting less and less because the days are cooling and shortening. So if your soil is good to go, if you've been doing the the, the preparation thing now for a couple of weeks, then then you can start start planting from. Say, I have no problem, you know, by mid mid September okay. first day of fall All to start. Right. Now, if you're going to plant transplants, um. And there's a place for both. I mean, you know, how many of something are you going to plant? Uh, you know, things like leafy greens, you're, you're probably going to use quite a few of those. So you might want to do seed and do a, you know, a row or two of those because oh, you yeah. want a lot of them. You're going to yes. use them fast. Um, things like, uh, well, it's, it's not a cool season plant, but like, let's just take tomatoes, for instance. You know, planting tomatoes from seed. Well, how many tomato plants can <laughs> do you want in your garden? Wow. You know, I mean, if you have two or three tomato plants, for most people, that's, if you're successful, that's a lot of tomatoes. Um, so kind of take into account how much of something you're going to use. Uh, and And that can determine whether you plant starters or seed or, you know, however you want to do it. Um, and most seed is fine just to start right in right in the ground this time of year. It's warm enough. You don't need to start ahead of time in the house or someplace in a seed flat okay. and transplant them. You can go right in the ground with them.
0: So you're giving us the green light.
1: Green lights God on.
0: Dog it. I thought I had a couple weekends. Green lights. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> well, you, yeah, And the nice you, try. So the beautiful, dog it, the man. beautiful thing
1: about the winter garden is you do have a couple of weeks. You have a long time. You can multi-crop. Yes. So you could plant uh, you know a row of mixed greens or spinach or something, wait a month, plant another row so that you have them coming if you have space for this. Yeah. Uh, so that you have these coming on through the it's a long season. So it starts in September and really goes through April or May in some cases. With with these cool season vegetables, so it's not something, it's not like tomatoes. If you're a month or a couple of weeks late with tomatoes, you're, you in some cases you're just done. You you Missed might as well not plant it. You miss.
2: <laughs> well, what it, so the one thing you would have to be concerned about between now and March is if we have a freeze. So it's a good idea to go ahead and buy those cloths as soon as you can, right? Because a lot of times the freezes are coming and it's too late and there's nothing in the stores. So yeah, to get it, ready for that winter crop. Well, yeah. And the,
1: the nice thing about what we're planting now is the kind of frost or freezes we get is probably not going to be that effect, have that much of an effect on.
2: What about your lettuce? Cool. That?
1: Some lettuces it can burn, but you're right. I, I would have buy the frost cloth before. It's kind of like what if you wait till you're, you're raining and the roof's leaking to fix your roof, you're in trouble. If you wait till we have, you know, the day before it's going to freeze hard and you go around trying to find frost cloth and coverings, you know, you, you might be out of luck. You know, it doesn't take up much room.
0: That's the great thing about it. it stores it's so stores easy. stores very easily. Get it now, roll it up, and put it in it, a corner.
1: It, it keeps for <laughs> several years. Don't throw it away. Just fold it up. Dry it good. Fold it up. Put it away. Keep it for year after year. A lot of people use... It's a little different product, but frost cloth works just fine. Uh, they'll use it actually after they plant their seed. They'll throw that on there as a, as a row cover. It keeps, you know, that ground a little shaded. It keeps it a little moist. It keeps the insects. We haven't had big whitefly problems in, in a number of years, but people when whiteflies are really bad, 15, 20 years ago, people would use these row covers to at least have those plants get a chance to get up before they got just inundated with whitefly. So there's nothing wrong with using frost cloth as kind of a starter till, and it's light enough the plants will kind of push it up, then take it off. So it it's multifaceted. It's a it's a good good product to have in the garden for a number of things.
0: Well. You were talking about success and how much more fun it makes gardening. And I've had more success in the last three or four years than I've ever had. Now I'm trying to dial down. I have my whole garden area on one sprinkler valve. So everything I plant gets the same routine. I'm discerning now, not all the plants are happy with completely the same watering system. So maybe we'll dive into the weeds on watering the garden when we get back.
2: I'm Mr.
0: Icicle. I'm Mr. Below. French call me miser. Whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch.
2: I'm too much.
1: So ah. the Farmers' Almanac put out their predictions for the winter outlook since we're talking about winter vegetables. Um, for Arizona, expect an average winter and average temperatures. Now, this is Farmer's Almanac. You might have seen something different. But, Rosie, I know you love Texas. and I do. And we all know what happened last winter about the grid. Just so, just for funsies, I'll let you know. They're going to be chilled to the bone. But the good news is near normal precip, So they won't have maybe a, as much ice as
0: last year. I bet you they're insulating all those wellheads. Uh. <laughs> If they haven't started yet,
1: here comes another 500,000 in Arizona. After they get done dealing with floods and hurricanes. Yeah, isn't
0: that the truth? Oh, man. And that well, extra Texas... voice
2: is Gary D. Our...
0: Oh, yeah, me. That's right.
2: <laughs> People will go, Who's was that I just, voice yeah. out of that? Yeah, that's our little angel that comes on. That's <laughs> Gary D.
1: You know, Texas, my daughter lived in Austin for a few years. Texas is a great state, but their weather sucks. <laughs> I mean, they—it's they, either hot, cold, raining, or something. there all, you know.
0: I I would not go to Houston. That's for sure. And I've got a lot of family. I think half of Houston I'm related to. But uh, but out west, um, Lubbock, Marfa, Alpine—that's my part of Texas.
1: Well, you know, Jimmy Dean had a saying. He's from. Lubbock or Amarillo, right? He said it's the only place you could be up to your waist in mud and have dry sand blowing in your teeth at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jimmy Dean.
2: It's just so far to the mountains. <laughs> That's, it
0: is that. It is that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the dilemma I'm discovering in my own garden, uh, the different watering that each of the different types of winter vegetables may or may not need. And I'll give you just one example of what I've observed recently. I wanted to try vertical cantaloupe and uh, because I don't have the real estate to let a vine cover the whole backyard. And I have proven cantaloupe will grow vertical. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I just haven't proven it'll produce a cantaloupe (laughs) (laughs) until I supplemented it It had regular watering Mm -hmm. for the okra and the basil and the uh, peppers that we had, but it just wasn't happy. I dumped my air conditioning condensate drain line on top of that cantaloupe, and she became very happy.
1: So, as a rule of thumb, the bigger the leaf a plant has, probably the more water it's going to need, because the more water it's going to lose through transpiration... You know, out of its out of its leaves uh, into the atmosphere. So, just you know, so basil is kind of a big leafy plant. Probably going to need more water than an onion. Okay. Um, mint likes lots of water. Uh, I don't advocate planting mint in your garden. By the way, put it in a pot. <laughs> it just takes. <laughs> It'll over, take right? you over. Um, but uh, we'll talk about mint. In in a minute for another reason, but um, so ju- yeah, as, as a rule of thumb, if you can, boy, if you if you got down to one valve just for the garden, and you want to break it down any further than that, you know, you almost then need to zone your garden, right, so that you can water a zone differently than another zone. Big leafy stuff probably going to need more water than things with small leaves, so okay. That's, that, that, that'd be my rule of thumb. You know, and then another reason you may not be getting cantaloupe on your cantaloupe is pollination. Um, cantaloupes, squashes, cucumbers, all those can, can be a, a little bit finicky on getting pollinated. Now, the one thing that a lot of us do with our gardens is we put them over in a little narrow side yard or kind of tucked out of the way well, you know, the problem with those is they're kind of protected. So we don't get the airflow or the wind, which is, you know, and obviously probably our biggest pollinator is air movement and, and wind. Uh, you know, Phoenix has very, even though we get monsoon storms, by and large, you know, I learned this. I don't remember where <laughs> I learned, but Phoenix has the lowest average mean wind speed of any major metropolitan city in the United States. Say that again? We have the lowest... Mean wind speed of any major metropolitan city. In other words, we don't have very much wind, which I is never why we have heard that we have That's air incredible. quality issues yes. because, in, especially in the winter, when we get inversions, the air, the the cold air traps the the crummy air down to the ground. We just don't have enough air movement to move that out all the I'll time. Um, so anyway, because we have little, very little air movement, it makes pollination a little bit more of a chore. So what can we do to pollinate? Well, you can try and attract natural pollinators to your garden like bees, butterflies, hummingbirds, moths, all of those things that get in there and fiddle around with the flowers and move the pollen around. So if you can plant things in your yard or garden that will continually attract those things, uh, you know, and then by the, when if you have them in your garden already, you're already going to have pollinators in your garden. Then when you plant these things that need pollinated, you know, you're going to have better success. I think you have a, Jennifer, you have a list of things that...
2: Yeah, I was talking to my um, friends, uh, Didi and Dave Charlesworth, of ASAP Bee Removal, and um, she just suggested that as well, if you want to attract the bees, so there's some things that will do that, like lavender mm-hmm. and rosemary, um, bougainvillea, any kind of herbs, yellow bells.
1: Yeah, so if you let mint, going back to that mint, yeah, if you let a... a a mint or thyme or sage or any of those herbs go to flower, man, they attract the bees like crazy. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, that's all right. That's good. So like you were saying, if you're just going to stick it out, if your only plant out in the back of the yard is your little garden, the bees may take a long time to find it and be too late to do what you need them to do. Um, But I was also talking to her uh, just about you know, kind of the, there's an upside to bees and a downside to bees. You know, if they get, you don't want them building a hive in your, right, right close to your sure. house or whatever, but you do want to attract them. So um, she just gave me some tips as far as um, like swarming, when you see the swarms of bees comes through. So it's going to be a little late this year because we had a very dry spring and then this wet monsoon. And so the bees are a little... Um, they had slowed down their reproduction, and now they're ramping back up again. So we're going to start seeing the fall swarms. And just kind of the tip for if you're outside and you see a swarm, you know, give them 24 hours. If they hang out, then it's probably time to call bee removal, and that's what they do. And they will try to relocate them for you um, if you don't let them get in your house or settle in somewhere they can't get to them. So I thought that was a great tip.
1: I wonder, too, if because the desert is so green and and has so many things flowering in it, if we will see— Fewer bee swarms coming into the urban.
2: Oh, interesting. I, I don't.
1: It's just a thought that just occurred to me just now. If they won't stay out, Who you knows? know, Wherever it might spread them out if nothing else.
2: Well, she did um, mention that their biggest call right now is wasps, and that's because wasps have everything they need right in your yard. They've got the grass. They like hanging out there. They like low shrubs, um, and so we have a lot of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, they had one of their recent calls with somebody, and they love, you know, like your pool, so that this couple had planted hedges all around their pool and we were, were having this terrible wasp problem, couldn't even get in the pool. And um, lo and behold, there was seven nests in those hedges. So yeah. um, just, you know, be watching. Wasp are pollinators, too, so if they're not bothering you, just leave them alone. But if they're close, you're going to want to kind of Well, you mentioned another
1: thing to attract pollinators, too, and that's water. Mm-hmm. If you can have a little, maybe a little gurgling water feature or a bird bath sitting in the middle of your garden. If you, you know, you're out in the desert, a lot of you ever walk up on one of those water catchments that the Game and Fish has put out there. I don't know how the an- their animals ever get a drink out of one of those. <laughs> the well, bees are just so thick. and
0: I've ones. actually stumbled across a couple just from the sound. Of the bees, yeah, all bet. You, you can kind of hear it, and you think, you know, and you make your way over that direction. There's, there's water.
1: Yeah, so water is an, is another good one, and you know, and if your garden is in a semi out of the way place, you don't have to worry about the bees. And and God told me once, I this would be a question for your bee experts, but he told me that foraging bees, so bees that are collecting nectar and drinking and doing all of that. Are not aggressive at all, and you don't have to worry. You know, you're you're never going to get stung by foraging bees if you just let them be doing their thing. You know, so if you You just when
2: when they're busy, it's good. When they're busy, yeah, yeah. I will say though, my dad and I rode into some busy bees one time, and it did not end well. (laughs) So just stay away from them. Um,
0: Little peanut, the horse (laughs) down his feet that day, didn't he?
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh, we were stung all over. Yeah, that's a whole other story. But anyway, I wanted to mention that. I, and I've talked about it a couple of times this month on Maricopa County's um, website, maricopa.gov. They have a vector site and they have a really nice little document on discerning what is a Africanized bee, just kind of things to look for. But if you have aggressive bees, you know, you want to take care of them sooner rather than later. But that I'll put that up on Facebook because that's really a handy piece of information, how to protect yourself. So if you're gonna, everybody's going to be outside more, this is the time of year things like that happen. So
1: I just want to know what they're going to do about the mosquitoes
2: oh yeah yeah they more, should be going uh, away soon oh
0: man i tell you i was out working around the pool the other day and looked down and i was coated we we took a survey a couple of weeks ago about what are you doing in your back patio to stay comfortable given the mosquito problem and i i think we had over we had close to a hundred suggested ideas you can
2: find there, those on our website by the yeah, way I've, I've, I've been
1: staying inside was, I
2: know. I know, but.
0: that was one of the uh suggestions but um we're 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 actually road testing a couple of the products that were recommended in our back patio and we're, we're going to let people know gary why don't you bring tom into the conversation and we'll get tom and john jay visiting about some white mites good morning tom Hi, good morning. Yes, I'm having a problem in uh, my backyard now, but it first started in the front yard, and I believe the gentleman called it a white mite, a very, very small little creature, and it's destroying my grass.
1: Destroying your grass. It's does it, does it, up. does it, does it?
0: It starts, it starts as a, a small patch and increases in diameter, and then it creates little patches all over, then it becomes one large patch.
1: Are you seeing them fly up out of the grass, or how do you know no. what it is?
0: No. Um, I dug up a sample of it and took it to a nursery, and then they turned it over and tore it apart, and there was the little white creature in there, very small, like the size of a pinhead.
1: Yes. Okay, and they did not have a recommendation for you what to do? Uh,
0: they they gave me, told me about some medicine. It affected nothing. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I don't know about a white mite, but it sounds like they're on the roots of the grass, so it could be a grub. I don't know if it's a little grub thing. There's flea beetles, which would be up in the foliage of the grass. Um, the biggest thing, and, and the symptoms you're, you're describing sound a lot like pearl scale, which are which is a white. It looks just like a pearl, and that attaches itself to the roots and it, and, you know, sucks the... The nutrients and moisture out of the plant that way. Um, I I would recommend another go round at the nur at the nursery or garden center with a sample of that. Tell them what take what they gave you or sold to you with you and say here's what you recommended. Here's what it it hasn't helped, Um, and see if and give them
0: another shot at it. What else could it be, Tom? We appreciate the call. And uh, he's in Tempe. I could also tell you, Tom, if if you want an on-site consultation, now it says Tempe. Yeah, Tempe. Um, you could call Ray Lopez mm-hmm. at Scottsdale Weed and Turf Management, uh, and Ray could come out and take a look at it and treat and identify it right there on site. You can find Ray at Scottsdale Weed at Rosieonthehouse.com.
1: And, and if it is something like pearl scale, you're not going to see any huge results anytime soon. <laughs> you know, it's very, uh, very aggressive. It, 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 it's just hard to overcome, and it's not going to be a fast fix.
2: Welcome back to Rosie on the House. 8 a.m. hour is always the outdoor living hour and this week we're talking about vegetable gardening and boy is the weather just right to get out and get started. A lot more people outside walking this morning on the way in. It's fun, fun time of year. We've been talking about everything garden and we were just finished up a conversation about pollinators and you know it's so important to have the pollinators. So how to live with them, how to attract them, but how to you know what to do if you got a swarm or whatever. And I just wanted to um, give a shout out to um, ASAP Bee Removal. You can find them at asapbremoval.com in case you have a swarm come in and settle, or if you're having trouble with wasps. You know, there's a lot to getting that stuff out. So, but I wanted. Did you see this article in? Um, I, I like Law what Street she Journal? taught
0: us about the difference between bees and wasps. Now I know why. Really don't like wasps.
2: Just real quick, so you know a bee can only sting you once, mm-hmm. and then they lose their stinger. Wasp, of course, you know can sting you over and over again. They're so mean. If they get after you, they're mean. And then um, also, when you remove a beehive, once you take the beehive out, if there's if there's bees outside of that hive, they'll come back to the location and they'll just die because they don't know what else to do without the queen. And the, but wasp actually pair up. So if you remove a nest. And a pair comes back in, and the nest isn't there. Then they just rebuild. So it's really tricky to get rid of all the wasp in there. And I, I have actually never seen a wasp nest. I mean, you have to really know what you're looking for to to find those. So
1: they're usually pretty well hidden. They can, you know, inside a big, like you said, a hedge Mm -hmm. or a yeah. And you don't want find you don't want to find them. (laughs) You want to let somebody else find them. They just look mean.
2: But you don't hear about that many stings. But I imagine they hurt. So. in the Wall Street Journal, they had an article about a company out of Israel called Aruga AI Farming. And it's these little drones that pollinate. And so, you know, with a concern about robots. Yeah, they're little Robot robots. Robot pollinators. Yeah, they're only ten grand a piece. So Oh-ho! you know for one little bee. But lose, you don't lose that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a new generation of computer technology where they're um it's deeper learning. So they they can train these little bee drones, bee robots, to go out and see a plant, identify the plant, and then know if it's ready to be pollinated. And many plants just take... Vibration. So these little guys go around and they blow on the plant to get the pollination to to happen. So anyway, it's just really interesting. Um, I'm sure How the price are will these come down. They, it looks like the size of a bee. I mean, look at him. He's like a little shiny thing. Looks just like him. He's really cute. Oh, that's so a, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, so very interesting. Wow.
1: man, you don't want to let you know my my luck. I'd have one out there and a bird would come along, and, <laughs> and <laughs> grab it.
2: You don't have to worry about them swarming though.
1: And you don't eat a queen. <laughs> and they don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> They Pretty can do cool. it on their own. They're all smart.
2: People smarter than me putting those together.
0: All right. So we're in that transition in the garden right now. We talked a little bit about what to plant, making sure the soil was prepared for it. And why don't you just summarize that real quick, John?
1: So what once your soil is good and loose and rich and you've, you, can, you can get in there with your hand and, you know, make a hole without using a trowel or shovel, then then we're ready to plant. And we're planting right now cool season vegetables, so things that are going to grow all winter. And the best way to remember those are the the things we eat the leaf of, a root of, or maybe part of the stem or flower of. So any leafy green like lettuce or spinach or Uh, Turnips or turnip greens, which turnips kind of fit both bills, so you can eat the root or the top of. Um, Chard. um, Our our old buddy, kale. (laughs) I think anybody that really tells me they like kale is lying. (laughs)
2: kale chips okay it, <laughs> it has to have been salted and oiled and cooked right well, you, I,
1: my
0: wife forces that stuff on me once oh, in a while oh
2: poor long. guy yeah.
0: anyway it's good for you I guess uh, it, it tastes so bad it must be oh, I well
2: be. let me give a quick suggestion too okay. so you know you're talking about vegetables that maybe you don't like or don't know what to do with there is an amazing cookbook I found that uh, you can just look it up bounty from the box and buy it right from the website it is a little pricey it's $35 I think you could probably find a used copy that whole um, book is on veg and it's that's five hundred so, pages plus well, community so- supported agriculture. So if you know about that, you know you get wow. this basket of vegetables. So many times you don't know what it is or what to do with it. This has amazing. It's it's huge. It's like an encyclopedia of recipes, and they're they're modern day kind of healthy, good recipes. Bounty from the box. Good to know. Yeah, and you can still also find Mel Bartholomew's book. They have re- they've updated it, and it's available for, for like twelve dollars on Amazon. Um, and that's the Square Foot Gardening Cookbook. And I, I just think he was very special and the recipes are great.
0: I, I've enjoyed a lot of the recipes out of his book. It's it's much more user friendly. It's a lot smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're we're planting leafy crops, root crops. Stem crops. You know, let's not forget too. This is we're going into the very best time of the year to plant trees and shrubs mm-hmm. and landscape oh. plants. So, kind of for the same reason, the soil is staying warm and the air is getting cool. So, it's a great combination of getting a plant to establish itself without the stress of the heat
0: on the leaves. Very good, John Jay. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always, always good having you in, folks. We'll be back next hour. Y'all, stay tuned. We'll be talking about living with your pets how to make it a little bit easier on you and them as well as take your calls right here rosie on the house